our DT systems, the Rap 1400 or 1400 if you like doing it that way, but it's the Rap 1400. It's a collar that is super reliable, ready to rock, and it's super handy because you can hold it in your hand while you're shooting your shotgun during duck season. So it's a cool unit for you and your dog come hunting season so that you've got control over any situation. Anything the dog throws at you during the hunt is right there, easy and accessible. Bingo, bango, bongo. If you don't want that one, check out the H. 201820. It's the DT Systems and it's dog tested, dog tough. Our baby Gunner Kennels. Man, one of the things that I love about Gunner Kennels is they're thinking about our older hunting buddies. Old Buck, he hangs out in a gunner kennel when he goes to and fro. And in his, we've got the ortho pad. He's got the old joints. And, and even if your dog's not old like Buck, you just want a little bit of added protection as you're rolling down the road to keep that dog from bouncing around a little bit. So the ortho pad, super huge. If you got a younger dog that may dig a little bit, maybe chew a little bit, that performance pad is going to be clutch as well. So check it out. It's the full kit brought to you by Gunner Kennels, always innovating our industry and always keeping your dog safe. Slide in the dms if you'd like to learn more about getting you and your dog into a gunner kennel all right our number one asked question is revolving around force fetch whether your dog drops the bumper or duck at the edge of the water or you failed a few hunt tests because the dog monkeys with the birds or won't pick up a bird let me help you help your dog bunch of different breeds bunch of different personalities start to finish teaching you how to do it links in the description What's going on, everybody? This is the Master Stational 2021 recap. We've got a fun episode ahead of for you. We had a last-minute guest call in, Mr. Oliver Berman from Foundation Retrievers. He was our bunkmate at the Airbnb with the pterodactyl, Cacao Blaine Tarnecki, who all went to bed early at 8 p.m. What a wuss. But uh, Oliver is is on the line and i'm really really excited to have him with us as we recap master national 2021 the stationals if you will but first up that yukonuba baby the food that fuels the truck of lone duck that three month challenge is what i'm asking you to do 90 days three bags if you don't love it i don't know what you're gonna love try it enjoy it your dogs will thank you you'll thank us baby next up smoke them if you got them that traeger grills we had those ribby ribs tonight they were delightful delectable melted off the bone check them out on instagram traeger grills smoke them if you got them next up man's best kennel the gunner kennel baby they sponsored the master national big thank you to them giving back to our sport if you'd like to get you and your dog into a gunner kennel for this hunting season Slide into the DMs. Now, maybe it's on your Christmas list. Maybe you want the wifey or the girlfriend or maybe your boyfriend or her husband. I don't know. You want a gunner? Slide on in the DMs. We'll hook you up. Next up, dog tree e-collars. Make every dog exceptional, I think is their tagline. And that's what they do. And the one thing that we love about Dogtra, and Kevin talked about it on Andy's podcast, which will be coming out next week, is their customer service. When you need them, they got your back and their products 
speak for themselves, but that customer service, man, can't be beat. Next up, mm. uh, that bizman, baby, shoot or shoot. That can't, it's duck season, goose season, bird season, this season, that season. And I don't want anything going into my over and under other than a Kent, baby. We shooting that biz, man. Just got an email. We're getting a shipment dropped off tomorrow. Boom. Can't wait. Thank you, Kent. Appreciate y'all. You're the best. Next up, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy our show, if you enjoy the Instagram, if you enjoy the YouTube, if you enjoy the content, if we've answered your questions, if we've helped you out at all ever in life with a dog, buy us a beer. That's all it is. Hop on Patreon. Join our community. More in-depth videos that don't hit YouTube. I answer questions on there. We do twice a month happy hours where we get on a Google Meet and hang out and have a beer and talk dogs and answer questions there for Patreon eyes only. So if you'd like to join us, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. It's also going to enter you into probably next year's hunt which we haven't even discussed, but I'm sure we're going to do it because it was pretty sweet this year. We're going to go in December to the pit boss, and so I'm sure next year we'll do it again. So get on Patreon, join the fun, and lastly, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. It's where you can get that Lone D gear, baby. Strap up. It's time. All right, Oliver. Welcome to the show, my friend. I miss you. I wholeheartedly I, I miss you. Well, I'm glad to be on the show. I hate that I'm second option, but, you know, hey, uh, glad, <laughs> glad to be here. Um, miss you guys, man. That was a fun, what was it, three weeks, four weeks? It was almost a month. Oliver, you, uh, I, first off, congrats. You had you went out there, ran a few dogs, came, came home with some plates. We'll talk about all that in a second, oh, but go on. <laughs> we don't want him to get into his whole story no, this don't. early. Yeah, because I care more about this. Shot your first rough grouse, huh? I did. That was fun. Yeah, my first boy. grouse. Pretty cool, man. Andy's a special dog. I'm glad you got to watch her work and and had a good time hunting alongside her. She's cool. Yeah, she was. That's my first time grouse hunting, and then the first time hunting over a setter. Um, I've hunted over pointers before, and that was she was she did a good job, and it was fun. Bob went the first time, and. We'll probably get into this in a minute, but uh, after he had a few success uh, shots, we uh, what we go two days later had had a good shoot. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. I thoroughly enjoyed watching you uh, enjoy the woods on a grouse hunt. I mean, you're an avid outdoorsman, and you appreciate the little things about being outside and doing it. But uh, to to watch you take a grouse and to truthfully have it be as big of a stud as it was. Like it, it was awesome. So I'm I'm happy yeah. for you. It was fun. Yeah. <clears throat> Hopefully it gets mounted nicely. Uh, we should have that for you in a few weeks. Sweet. I've got a. Uh, I took a Idaho game land little tag there off one of the trees, and I'm gonna put that on the mount too. So that'll be a cool little memory piece. Might be illegal what you did, but that's badass. Well, you know. Eh. Ask what ask for. Uh, better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. I got you. Well, I also want to congratulate you because everybody may, probably doesn't know this, but Oliver is in our top five most listened to podcasts of 2021 so far. Cheers to you, baby. 
what is what's Blaine ranking? What's, oh, what's the, what's the pterodactyl? He's, he's not even ranking, bud. He's not even in the top oh, ten. That's why he wanted to be on tonight's episode because you know he's butt hurt. He's not in the top ten. Well, I'll drink to that. <laughs> yeah. Any way we can get a, up over on top of him, he's it's it's fun. So, all right, man. Let's recap this Master Stational. We had uh, how many days did it take you to get out there? So. You know, I'm the I'm the kind of person that I like to drive through the night, get there as quick as I can, and uh, you know, kind of last minute plans have changed and uh, hopped alongside with Blaine, and we ended up going down to Lula, Georgia, training for a day, and then we just took our time out there. I think it took us. Let's see, we went from Lula to St. Louis, Missouri, in one day. Stopped overnight, went to Cheyenne, Wyoming the next day, and then went to Salt Lake City where we met you. So it took us two days to get to Salt Lake, um, and then we trained there obviously for what was it, two days? Yeah, two days, and uh, and we finished that, that that final day. So I don't know, was that two, four, five or six days to get out to Idaho? Yeah, yeah, we were the same. I did New York to Illinois where I spent the night at Kuma's owners, then Kuma, Illinois to Laramie, Wyoming, which super cool. I aired the dogs in a rodeo area. Like, I don't know what they're called, but where the town of Laramie had its rodeo. And it's like seven o'clock at night and I roll up and I'm like, ah, this is probably not, you know, okay, but there's no one around. And then I see a couple dudes off to the side and so I drive up to him so I don't get kicked out you know so I drive up and out from behind a, a horse trailer walks a man with a mustache that would like I would die for and he had like a handkerchief around his neck and a vest on with like straight cowboy like an, a 65 year old been a cowboy his whole life he is no joke he's not dressed up for the show he, this is what his he got up this morning put it on because that's what he does every day and uh he's like yeah man have fun you know go over there you'd be dogs are fine good you know and and i walk out in a hoodie and crocs and i'm like <laughs> And like a, with your New York you're probably play. like, man, actually, like you, you and like a here. real weak mustache. I just, you I think didn't. he let you stay there out of pity. Yeah, pity, pity stash. Pity stashed me. He, you got pity stashed. I got pity stashed. He, he knew the effort I went into my my mustache, and he just he gave me the opportunity to air my dogs here because he felt bad. But anyways, it was it it was like one of those things where I'm like, man, this I'm in freaking Wyoming. This is not New York anymore. This is so cool. This is this guy's real life. So, uh, Corral. There. Yeah. We is were corral in- the right word? You're like, yeah, the rodeo place. A corral? Well, there were corrals around. You're I'm in the rodeo think. arena. Arena. Yeah. Arena might yeah. be the right thing. But it was a large facility specifically for the rodeo. city of Laramie's rodeo. <clears throat> how, how many times did you say giddy up? I didn't. Damn it. Time <laughs> to go back. To go back. Giddy All up. right, dogs, come on, get up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on, little doggy. So, anywho, uh, from from Laramie, I drove to Salt Lake, met you guys, and I only got to train for half a day. Right. Then, then we went out to Mexican, 
ish. Then we drove from there to McCall. So it was right. basically four days of yeah. travel. And uh, we got there. And like within the first 24 hours, you and Blaine are driving in the morning. You were going to go check out some state land and, and properties and whatnot. And that's where we found the grouse woods and the stream and whatnot. But what did you and Blaine witness? With, uh, do you remember? Do I have to lead you more or do you got it? I did we witness? There were two animals. Mm-hmm. Mule deer mm-hmm. fighting. Uh, oh, yeah, right by the summer, right by the cat. Yeah, like right by the house, two mule yeah, deer literally, fighting. Literally 100 yards from the cabin. Um, and we were kind of off the beaten path where our cabin was. We were literally at the last house on this road. And we were driving out. Uh, I mean, there's mule deer. I mean, pretty, I would imagine pretty big bucks for mule deer. Um, out there in the front yard of this lady's house fighting. And, you know, we're stopped there, like, taking pictures. And they're sitting in their kitchen, like, looking at us like we're crazy. Um so, yeah, I mean, the wildlife out there is unbelievable. And I feel like uh, we probably should have brought our bow and arrows. They probably brought home the mule deer, too. Yeah, that was one of the things that I, w- I, c- I will miss. Because, you know, you see white-tailed deer on the side of the road here in New York and whatnot. And they're still, like, I still will rubberneck for a deer. Like, I, I like seeing deer doing what deer do. But seeing a mule deer, and then some of the mule deer we saw were legit trophies. Oh, yeah. Freaking monsters. And they're from, you know, 50 feet away. Right. Well, and I think, I think too, you know, one thing you missed out on the trip so far is, I mean, for me, the benefit of driving through the daytime is one thing, the sights all the way out there. But, um, I mean, you remember coming through Wyoming, the amount of pronghorns on the side of the road were everywhere. I mean, you know, they were like squirrels. They are down here. Um, I mean, every, you know, 50 yeah. miles, you'd see 10 or 15 pronghorn on the side of the road. And it's unbelievable the wildlife out there. Yeah. And again, trophy pronghorn. It's stuff you see on the Sportsman's Channel where people are like, oh, we're passing on that one. And then that's the shooter. And that is standing right there alongside the road just looking at you. It, it, it was. Like you said, they were like squirrels. They were just everywhere. And every time I saw one, it felt special. And I'm sure if you're from out there, you're like, that's eh, just a pronghorn because you see 8,000 of them. But for us, it just, I felt like we were in the Wild West. So yeah, it was pretty wild, especially being that close to the house. So yeah. It was a, a, a fun trip from the wildlife perspective, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about pre-training. So we had a great group of folks. It was me, you, Blaine, Trish Jagoda, who's been a podcast guest. Maybe Kevin can look up her episode. It was early in our, our career as podcasters. Um, but, uh, me, you, Blaine, Trish, Blake, Blake from Washington, Washington, uh, long, hollow, Retrievers. Yep. Then Dave Phillips, Ohio guy, Navy guy, buddy of mine. Uh, when I run hunt tests in Ohio all the time, Dave's either judging or on a four-wheeler making sure things are running smoothly. Great dude, great Chesapeake, fellow uh, 
he passed. He passed the Master National with his female. Uh, Gunnel is her name. Gunnel. Um, Mr. J. What was that? Mr. J. That's his name, J. Jace. J-A-C-E. Yep. Who was assistant stake marshal in our flight. Uh, He trained with us maybe two or three times. Um, Oh, and and Beth. Beth, that is uh, Molly's girlfriend who's been on our podcast, good dear friend of mine. And Beth got to train with us a good bit too. And so we had this like really fun, lighthearted, yet hardworking, diligent, and truthfully, I felt like, you know, we surrounded ourselves with smart people too. Like, right. you know, we had a good group of knowledge. Trish's <clears throat> ran. I was, I was about to say, Trish, Trish brought a lot of knowledge. She knows everything. That time. She's ran it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think she was a, a pretty, pretty vital asset to, to the group for sure. And she, you find her the biggest asset in life was being on episode number 46 <laughs> of Lone Ducks <laughs> Gone Dog Chronicles. <laughs> Uh, but no, it does have like an absolute wealth of knowledge and cool person. So yeah, she's a sweetheart. So she brought a lot, a lot, a lot to the table of what they would want to be seeing and just, you know, setups and, you know, a lot of what we did, you know, for me, Oliver, and I'll see what you have to say to this comment, but like a lot of my lead up to the master nationals, like back in New York was not big setups. It was hammering, and hammering's the wrong word, but like strict obedience, holding blind, relaxing in the holding blind, coming out of the holding blind nicely, and if they don't, they go back in the holding blind, like taking more time per dog and also being conscious of what each dog needs. So instead of like having our normal day to day where we've got these marks and maybe, you know, let's say for my crew, Memphis doesn't really struggle on keyhole blinds, but I need to do keyhole blinds. So she gets keyhole blinds. Right. The, the six week lead up to us leaving, I was more diligent on what does Memphis need more of? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I get that done today. And Kuma right. needed a little bit more of this. And Ember needed more of, like for Ember, she needed live flyers every day. So I brought a live flyer every day for Ember. And <clears throat> nobody else got one every day. We definitely shot more for everybody just because. But every day she got a flyer. She's special. And and so I was being really <laughs> diligent and thoughtful on each individual dog and little drill work, wagon wheel, lining pass, like just the basically taking them back to basics and making the basics exceptional. What about you? What did you do differently leading up? So for us, we had four. So we had four dogs running. Um, both or all four of those dogs had been with me since one of them, obviously Mackie being with since he was a puppy. Uh, the other three had, had been with me just about since they were five months old. So they were, you know, pretty much raised here. Um, one thing I did different this go around was I really tried every day or every other day to after training, either before training or after training, we've got a creek that runs through our property um, and take them down to the creek and just let them be a dog. Um, I made a pretty big effort in roading them and just running them on the four wheeler, let them go down the pond, let them go to the creek, and just, just be dogs, right? Um, yeah. So that was outside of training. 
Um, and then most Sundays when we weren't training, they came down to the house and just they just hung out in the house and were dogs. Um, that's one thing I tried to do a little bit different with them, just give them a little bit, you know, kind of a, a, a mental break from the day-to-day grind for them. And then as far as training, um, you know, in previous events, not necessarily the Master National, but for the Grand, you know, you always you try, you try to do what you think you're going to see at the Grand, right? right? Well, you know, from my experience, I've done, okay, well, I think we're going to do big, wide-open stuff, and then we turn out to have tight stuff or, the, you know, vice versa. So, this year, we kind of did a little bit of both. We did big, wide-open setups, and then we did a lot of – I would say we did more multiples and more concepts, uh, more hip pockets, more – you know, I mean, basically, honestly, everything we saw at Master Nationals, I felt like we had worked on. Um, yeah. Now, now at Master Nationals, I felt like it was way tighter than we had done. Um, but overall, for, for the two, the past out of four – um, I felt like they handled the setups that were thrown at us, you know, how they, you know, how we prepared for it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I saw anything at Master Nationals that I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I wasn't expecting this. Whereas I've ran some other events where, you know, you get, you know, oh my God, man, we've been training way too long. Yes. Um, so, you know, and it's always hard. I mean, you try to look back at years past and, and I'm new in this, uh, you know, as far as this was my second master national, so I don't have a ton of uh, experience knowing exactly you know what the what the trend has been or uh, what you know. Obviously, the judges don't have a hundred percent say of what they set up. Um, but uh, but well, overall, I, man, I think we're good. No, I, I agree with you. I think the one thing that you just made a comment on that I wanted to hit on quick is the tightness and the the distance on the marks and right. so that would be one thing that i i was conscious of i did maybe one day a week where i let them roll on longer marks or have one long bird and then two or three short check down birds right. you know you know a 150 to 200 yard mark and then 60 40 20 or something like that like really weird where I, I want them to go have fun and go pick up a long bird and comfortability of still punching out there, yet right. I was not throwing 100-yard, 150, 250, 100 again. Like, they were – I really kind of tried to dial them back a little bit because at the end of the day, when you really do think about it, we had to run 160 – let's just say 160 or 165 in our first series. You can't, right. you can't get those amount of dogs done and have massive marks. You just can't. Right. And big at big long blinds. So the dogs have to be comfortable with checking down short and, and not just rolling to roll. And and I do think we saw several dogs and, and in a second I'd like to break down each series so that everyone can visualize what we did. Um there were several dogs and it happened to be a lot of the similar trainers. Like, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but like two or three of the trainers, I would guess have had dogs that just run big. Like they probably play different games and they, they, they have dogs that, you know, were just conditioned to running. And if they didn't step on that bird, they just 
kept holding that. It was a beautiful line. Like, did not vary, did not fade to a factor, just held a line. But because they didn't win the bird, they just rolled out. Instead of, you know, breaking down and, and hunting and sticking there. Like, they just hit land and rolled. Um, so right. I thought that that was very smart of our training group is none of our setups, the maybe week and a half to two weeks that we pre-trained were massive setups. Right. The first day I think was the biggest. Yeah. True. After, after that, it was pretty much, pretty much short and tight. And, and I think too, you know, I mean, you, you can go on different podcasts and listen to a few of the recaps from Master Nationals and, and we've talked about it before. It's the key is getting them to peak at the right time. Yes. Right? You know, okay. And that for me is, is still a challenge. Um, part yeah. of the reason, you know, part of the reason we, we did the, the pond and the creek and the, in the house a little bit and just, just get it, giving them a little bit of a break and not just constantly putting that mental pressure on them outside of, you know, just the physical pressure. Um, it, it's, it's hard to, to get that perfect balance. Um, and, and I had a client text me or actually call me. His dog wasn't running it, man, and, and he's a close friend of mine. He said, you know, who, who are your dog? How are they looking, right? You know, who's doing the best? Who's not? And the two dogs that passed were both the dogs that I told him in the order of I thought who was going to, you know, who I thought really had the best chance based on how they looked the week prior was the two dogs that passed. Um, they just looked great in training. They didn't have any, any flaws. And I truly think they peaked at the right time. Um, and that, to me, is, is just as important about you know, being successful as well as getting something set up every day two weeks prior to it. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And, and I think as you and I develop our careers playing on the national level, we're going to figure out how to get, and that, I guess that's a, we're going to figure out how to get dogs to peak at the right time. And the comment I made earlier about trying to train the individual dog was trying to get that each individual dog to peak at the right time and just do it differently because each one is different. Um, but I think the more we do it, the better we'll get at, at that. But I don't know. We got, we did it, I guess. Yeah. And I think, I think too, you know, for me, my biggest take home from this master national was, um, just a typical, you know, the, the take one bird at a time. Right. You know, don't worry about trying to have a clean triple. Don't worry about trying to, um, you know, get that perfect run. And, and that screwed me up with my personal Mackie. Um, you know, trying to be greedy and, and get that perfect triple after he already had a great first series. And, and you know, learning those little tidbits and, and knowing that, hey, you know what? He didn't screw me up. I, I screwed him up. Um, as well as, I think for me, for like, and I'm just using him as an example, I think maybe Ember could be the same way as, Matt, I don't need to train Mackie every day, right? You know, he's six years old. He's pretty laid back. He's not coming out the box every day ready to go. He's just not his personality. He's never been like that. So I think for me, I probably would have been better two weeks leading up to it not training him every day, whereas I did because that's just what I felt like I had to do in order to be prepared. Same. Um, so I think I took that away. The, the most important thing for me was taking that away as well as not always, I guess, trying to be greedy. On, on the test thinking, okay, I know he's going to check down. I know he's going to come back and what happens? He doesn't check down. He gets too far out. I try to handle him. Now we're in this big handling battle and we lost it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Cause that was that, like the sad part about Mackie is 
those were his tasks. Like he's a hunting dog. He's a yeah. he's a dang good dog, and he's slow, and methodical. But he gets nerve. The more he hunts, the bigger he hunts, the more nervous he gets. And I don't mean nervous like he just stops and freaks out, but you can see him getting bigger, and he hunts bigger and bigger and bigger. And I know that, but I got you know I got greedy and. And I watched him, and in my mind, I said, "Okay, when he comes back, I'm going to stop him." Well, guess what? He didn't. He never came back. He, you know, he kept he kept on rolling, rolling, rolling. And then by that time, he was, you know, 100 yards outside of the area, and then kind of just blew me off a little. And again, he blew me off a little bit as well. Uh, but I could have, you know, 30 seconds before that, I could have stopped him, put him on one whistle, and he'd pick up the bird like I did with the other two dogs that passed the Master National. Right. Yeah, and, and yeah, I agree. So let's talk about real quick. Let's recap each series. So we, sh- we show up day one. First series is a land setup. You had uh, there was no walk up, so you walk to the line, sit the dog down. There was an honor dog. Um, this is a land series, but there was a three yes. foot channel of water and. I mean, you, you couldn't really tell there was water until you your dog ran through it. Um, and if I remember correctly, it was, what, left to right around the horn? Yep. So the first bird out was thrown right to left up a hill. Angled on, back just a little bit. On the left-hand side. So you, you start out on the left-hand side throwing right to left. Second yep. bird was down next to that channel of water thrown left to right on a little side hill and the third bird in, in muck in, in muck. yeah it landed yeah. in muck exactly <laughs> er, no it didn't land necessarily in muck but they had to go through a ton of muck which okay. sucked sucked them away from where the bird was correct like the, it created suction away from they, the they squared that they squared that ditch and then they were a lot of them were in their main plan exactly and the wind wasn't helping them and they would just keep running and be gone the third bird was right to left across that watery ditch was your live flyer, and that's your go bird. Right. And then you had a blind behind the gun of the live flyer and a blind in between mark one and two along a hillside. Right. So you go pick up your live flyer. Many people, I would say 90% of people picked up the middle bird second right and then the left hand bird third and so i would recap in my head and i'll let you jump in too but many dogs on the go bird on the live flyer did fine some dogs had big hunts some some of the flyers weren't landing exactly where they were supposed to because it's a live flyer, and so they'd get hung up and sent, or the bird would land in the watery grass, and the dogs would be on land hunting where the other birds were landing and not hunt the grass. Um, so some dogs had to handle on that, or just had like a big gut hunt, and it was ugly. But most dogs were picking that up okay. The second bird that people were picking up, that middle bird, was where... I would say most dogs crapped out because of the ditch, because of the wind, because of the suction. 
they were just on the wrong side of the bird and and had really ugly hunts and had to be handled. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, and I and I would agree, uh, obviously with that. But one thing I noticed, and I'll answer this real quick, is how much the wind. And I think it's known, obviously, how much it affects. But you got to see on a daily basis how much that wind affected each test. Oh yeah. And and if you ran the first ten dogs in the morning, good luck. Because in the, in the morning there isn't much wind. And same with that. They night. could. They couldn't. I mean, what was it? First dog went out, or no? Did he double? He no. He, he handled on the middle bird. I don't know if he went out. I want to say, was, yeah, right? I don't know, but I bet the first ten dogs on that test weren't doing it clean. They all had to handle. Uh, yeah, right. <clears throat> I think the first seven. I think out of ten dogs, seven of them had to handle. Yes. I remember correctly. And then the left hand bird, which seemed kind of challenging when you're just looking at it but a lot of dogs were punching up that hill and once they got to the top of the hill you know found it just fine right um, and, and i for me i had all my four dogs i mean they they made that test look extremely easy for them uh which gave us a false sense of hope but, <laughs> yeah, <same> um, <laughs> but but yeah we didn't have any issues on the left hand bird i felt like i watched a lot the one thing i did this master national but I don't do a ton of maybe in the grand and then the previous master national um, was, I really took time to watch. A, I mean, a good amount of dogs. I sketched out each test. I watched some of the you know better handlers. I thought where they line their dogs up from the initial tell them to sit and signal for the judges. You know, I, I really did pay attention to a lot of, a lot of the details. And a lot, I saw a lot of dogs have trouble in that left hand bird. They just faded down the hill and went towards the blind area and got caught in the blind. And yep. again, I think that had more to do with the wind uh, than anything. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I agree with you. Also, we don't know those dogs. So, like, on that person's truck, that might be the gutless dog that fades to factors. I mean... Right. Fading down that hill and then getting hung up in the the blind scent, um, you know that's a little bit gutless, and that might be one or two of the dogs on their truck that just when the going gets tough, they're going to fade to the factor. Um, and then I thought, so then the once you pick up your marks, you you could choose what blind you wanted to run, and I would say ninety nine percent of people picked the right hand blind, which was behind the gun of the flyer. And I didn't see any dog have trouble with that. Maybe one. Um, pretty straightforward, tight to the holding blind of the live flyers, straight at it, nail it. Luckily, and then like you said, like luckily I felt like in the first series my dogs looked great. Nobody handled, nobody had a problem, and their blinds were very good. The second right. blind, I felt like when we were watching test dog and we were watching a few dogs run, I was more worried about that second blind, but again, I luck or work or whatever you want to call it. Nobody had a problem on my truck. It was punch them right, right in between the two holding blinds. They had to angle a little bit of a hill and there was a little bit of like a roadway or four wheeler track. It almost looked like, and it, and honestly, if you let them kind of take that four wheeler track and stop them at the right time, Yeah, and then give them a cast. They were going to wind it and take it right to it. So if you played it right, it ended up not being a very difficult blind. Um, and I, go ahead. I, 
I think the whole test in general, I don't think, you know, it was, it was a weekend master test, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it was, I don't think we'd be lying by saying it was a weekend master test. It wasn't anything super crazy that we wouldn't expect. I think the middle bird had, I mean, obviously gave a lot of a dogs challenge. Um, but I don't think it was anything that you wouldn't expect at master nationals. Correct. And it was pretty wide open, not really tight. So now let's go to the second series. All of us have, well, no, I was going to say all of us had all our dogs in, but Blaine lost Gracie because she broke on the honor. Yeah. Should we tell him about his little present they gave him? That was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. That was kind of, the judges gave him a, they they were giving out prizes for working. Yes. I think she had been the only, she had been the only dog to to break, so they gave him a rope. (laughs) They gave him a check cord. Yeah, Ouch. Um, but that was his old dog, Gracie, who it was her it was her last run. It was for her retirement run was Master National. And I'm And he sa- said if she sits still, that's gonna be her thing. Yep. He knew you know, he knew he knew it could come. He just didn't um, think it was gonna be first series on the honor. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Come on. Yeah. Come on, dog. I know it. So, anyway, second series. Um Yeah, you recap it. Let's see. It was a walk up. Uh, you had a bird. What would you say? Thirty-five yards. Well, it was a bridge mark. Right. Thirty-five. Yep. Probably, probably thirty-five. The, the holding bomb was thirty-five yards. The bird probably landed seventy-five, sixty. Maybe. Or you think more I, than I, that? No, I think less. Less. Okay. Yeah, I think the holding blind was probably. 30 to 40 yeah 20 25 yards away and it was thrown angled back across so i'll describe what a bridge mark is real quick um you throw from one side of land across water to another piece of land so a lot of bridge marks would be like from land to an island or from land to the other side of the pond or something um like that arc of the bird is your bridge. Okay. So the, you had your walk up and it was kind of close thrown angle back, sharp angle back, right to left across this Creek, if you will, landed in watery grass. You saw a splash, but it landed in grass. All right, go on. Um, and you're talking about the first mark or the second mark? That was the first mark, but the second mark was a bridge mark too. Second mark was a bridge mark, left to right. Um, there was a little island about halfway between where the bird was thrown, where it was landed. Um, again, just I just thought it was out in no man's land. Um, just there wasn't a whole lot to mark off of. There was zero um, to mark off of. Yeah, I mean it was it was just a splash bird, but it was just in some thick, you know, just thick weather, you know, cattails, tulies, whatever you want to call them. And then out of the same holding blind was a bird. Your third bird was right to left was a flyer. The flyer, I did not see many dogs struggle on that flyer. No, it was almost pretty, none. pretty much straightforward, short grass, pick it up. But um, I, I saw it a lot. I had it with, let's see, at least I know one of my dogs who I thought was going to do extremely well. She came back after picking up that flyer. And when I looked her back out at one of the two marks left, she had no idea where she was going. Yep. Um, I mean, just completely clueless dog that has not handled it all through her master career. 
and I mean, just had no idea where the next bird was. And what a lot of dogs did was, you know, those birds were, were converging, the right hand bird, the first bird out, the second bird out. A lot of dogs just split the difference. And if the wind was not blowing in their favor, they just kept on going. Um, and they kept on going even, even if they knew where they, it was, where they thought they knew where it was. Um, so I think most people went flyer. First bird out, which was your far right hand bird, and then punch him out to the middle. Would you agree with that? I would agree. I would say most dogs split one that second. Yeah, ended up splitting the difference. And if the wind was right, they would cut back towards the short bird, and then you would punch them out to the middle bird. Right. For me personally, when I ran, that's how all my dogs did it. <laughs> they ended up splitting the difference picking up the short bird and then going towards the long bird. And I think the only dog I didn't handle was May May. Everybody else, I one or two whistled to the bird. So for me, I had like four still in it. Uh, I ran Mackie first and he was the second dog in the morning. Which was not when he wanted to run. No, he picked up the flyer. He stepped on the short bird. And again, he being greedy, should have just handled him. He looked out there at the middle bird. He was shaking so much. He couldn't line himself up. And I kicked him off. And he, he, he ran right over the middle bird. I mean, within five yards of it. And I kept, he kept going. He stopped. He checked down. Couldn't find it. Pushed out. He kept down two times. And he kept on going. I should, and I could, you know, I should have handled him. Uh, you know, but again, being greedy and thinking he's going to check down, which he typically does. And, uh, you know, he got too far out, lost him. Um, I ran, who else started to say that in a second? Um, I ran due second, and she did the split the difference on the second bird. Picked it up fine, and then I, I didn't even give her a chance to handle it or to get out of the air on the third bird. I stopped her right there, put her on the bird in one cast. She picked it up, ran a good blind. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the blind in a second because that's, yeah. So um, I think one thing that I learned from my first master national where I lost Cruz is, and I would say the example that you've given of Mackie is just survive. Just keep yep. surviving. Just get to the next series. Yeah. Yep. One bird at a time. Just keep surviving. And it, so. It's not the grand where you're off once after one handle. Exactly. Yeah. So this is an opportunity like. I could handle every one of them if I wanted. And if they were not going to slow down and put on an establish, you know, establish a hunt right near that hard middle bird that every dog screwed up, I just did it for them. Tweet, put them on the bird, they pick it up. One or two whistle, bingo, bango, we're moving on. Don't let them get into trouble. Don't let them go haywire. Don't let them get on their own, you know, hunt. Because when a dog gets into a hunt mode, they don't listen as well. And in the fourth series, I'll talk about that in a minute. But Not when they're looking back at the flower station, too. Right. They just you, you, they can get way more into trouble. So if you kind of handle them robotically and don't let them get into trouble, they're just like, oh, all right, I'll go over here. And boom, there's a duck. And now, right. yeah, I handled, but, but, you're next to the next series. but we're going to the next series. So I think the dogs that struggled either didn't handle well when they started to handle 
or right. be the handler handlers yeah did not handle in time right. um I'd, I'd agree with that. so now we had in my opinion the hardest blind of the entire master national it's one of the harder blinds i've read in a master test in general yeah me too this so you come off the line the original line that you ran the dogs from and you moved about 10 feet to your left and you run behind the gun of the walk-up station and it's like a little mini peninsula with what I would consider a four-wheeler or tractor rut in the middle of it and then they had to swim down a channel and there's some shrubbery wetland grasses in the channel that you had to navigate, get them out on land, run down the shore of the channel, then get back in the channel and get your bird. And you lost sight of them for the last 15 yards, that block if you did it correctly. That's true. Yep. Yeah. If the dog did it perfect, you, you couldn't see the dog for the last. They jumped in that last piece of water. And then when they, I mean, and most of them, when they jumped in, you knew where they were going to pop out. It's fine, but you still lost sight. But you still lost sight of them for three seconds five seconds which is scary yeah so and and remember i said that tractor rut that tractor rut messed every single one of my dogs up right in the beginning of the blind yep on that peninsula because if you were on the left of the tractor rut it was tougher to get your cast into the channel if you were to the right of the tractor rut you were money and every single one of my dogs took a good initial line hit the tractor rut and took one step to the left and yeah, then I had to stop them. Yep. I had to stop them and one or two whistle to get into the water and start heading down the channel. And then about halfway in the channel was that watery, grassy, bushy thingy. And if you were to the left of that, that's not good because they're going to get out early and that's not good. And miss mainly, like to me, if they were to the left of that and got out there, you're probably out. Um, you're probably going to fail your dog. There's no coming back from it. If you're to the right of it, you're doing great. And so I, I not struggled, but like I worked my dogs to stay to the right of that bush and held them accountable to stay in that channel. And then one, pretty much once I got past that bush, all of them made the life choice of just, oh, this is what he wants. And he just, and they stayed in. And then I casted them out and all but Ember and Kuma ran it well everybody you know memphis Cruz, and may may ran that blind great ember and kuma once they got out on land and i stopped them and cast them angle back right to to run down the creek they saw cow patties in that field and those cow patties were dried in the sun and they were a little bit like grayish color and it looks like a belly up drake mallard truthfully in my opinion it's that shape, and they're excited, and they're like, well, I got to be here. Wait, that's not it. You cast them again. Oh, that's that's the next one. It's got to be this. And so Ember maybe only one or two, and then she casted right to the bird. But Kuma, it got her pretty good, and it really influenced her score on that blind. Like, she was bleeding. She was, she was in over her head in in my opinion and i would assume the judges as well that she just she thought that each one of those cow patties was a duck 
and she was bound and determined to check each one of them out. And then finally she winded it. I stopped her, casted her, and she went and got it. But she was it wasn't a very good blind for her. So, but uh, out of the second series, all mine made it to the third. How about you? I got two out of four through it. I lost Mackie from poor poor handling on my part and him blowing me off. And then uh, Bonnie just, that was my tip, just lost her mind. She handled on the middle mark and then <clears throat> handled on the right hand mark. She double handled and then. She just kind of, uh, it was just, she didn't handle terrible. She just, it took forever to find a burden and she didn't run a great blind. So I'd assume between the handling twice and the blind, she lost it, but we got cash and bond, uh, cash and juice through it with a, I think, I think both of them took one whistle to get each bird that we handled to. So gotcha. it was uh quick handles and both ran great blinds. So two yeah. to the, two to the third. Okay. So now let's go to the third and we've got a quote unquote, just a triple. Yeah. Just a triple. So we are we barely move location. We're in the same creek. There was influence from the blind that we ran in the second series on one of the marks. Like if the dog overran the third mark, then they're going to get hung up in blind scent from where it was planted. And we saw a few dogs struggle with that couple of Blaine's dogs, couple of Adam's dogs, like dogs that were bigger running dogs. Like, you know, it, it was, it, it wasn't that hard, but it wasn't easy either. If they missed it, it, to me, one of the marks was the money bird. And if they missed that money bird, they were in no man's land. Oh my goodness. I smelled duck from the day before and now they're hunting in the wrong spot. And so basically you come out of the holding blind sit your dog down, first bird comes out right to left across a creek and yep. and lands on the opposite bank of a little uh, cove. So the dog would, the correct line to the blind was angle across a creek, get out on a peninsula, get back in that little cove and swim across the cove and find the duck in grass. And, and muck too, you know, it, I, mean, I think that makes a big difference too. It wasn't just dry grass i mean everything was wet the birds were a little bit wet i mean it was 100 percent. i saw a lot of dogs hunting right over it not, not dig it out that's right the second bird was left to right in grass and the third bird was right to left angle back tight to the gun most yep. bird most dogs had zero problem with the go bird and then i would say most people picked up the left-hand bird second, and that's where, you know, some people handled and some dogs with wind direction and whatnot, like we talked about, if the wind didn't help the dog, they were gone, lost, no clue. But the dogs who were helped by the wind and or just knew it was there would stay in that little cove or run the bank and, like, run the bank three or four times and then be like, oh, there it is, and jump in that cove and go and get it. Right, and then and it they, varied. I mean, that bird. Mm -hmm. I saw some splash and some land on bare ground. Yeah, and, and that and it wasn't because anything did it wrong. It's just the difference in weight, difference in dryness, wetness of the bird. Um, but it made a huge difference, I think, too. Totally agree. And then I thought that middle bird. I didn't see really many dogs bomb that. Like, right, I was worried about it. I I really thought my dogs would punch up that middle and just keep on going. Um, but 
fortunately we the wind was played a big factor in that we didn't have any issues yeah so i think for me i'm trying to remember i don't think any of my dogs handled in that series either i think everybody picked that up clean and fine really i think so yeah that left i had no one on that left hand bird but it was a she was about to check out and after Mackie's run i said two 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 she picked up the bird yeah um which is smart but I, it was a right but again it's going back from learning from your mistakes and uh trying to you know make the same one twice but i, I watched a lot of dogs handle on that left hand bird yes the first four, the first five dogs handled on it yes so now uh because of covid and timing and several other things that were in nobody's control instead of having six series they decided to only have four so now we're going to the fourth and final series and let's recap that um we completely changed locations uh some of our friends had ran it as their first series and it was a land setup triple flyer honor double blind first bird came out left to right landed in short grass but it was short it was a real short mark maybe 40 yards 50 yards and probably 15 yards 20 yards from the whole block it wasn't a big throw right then it's called a hip pocket and and it's hard for me to describe what a hip pocket is but basically you've got a holding blind close your eyes everybody unless you're driving you got a holding blind on your left hand side and the bird is thrown left to right and then just beyond that fall area is another holding blind and that bird is thrown left to right and so the first bird is landing in the back side of like the viewpoint of the further mark okay so first bird left to right real short second bird is your live flyer left to right and then your third bird is thrown right to left towards the flyer and that's your go bird 98 percent of the dogs picked the go to bird up just fine and then the next two birds were your mother lovers it sucked and if you didn't have good wind or lighting everybody everybody had a hard time picking them up I ran three dogs the, uh, at night the first time, the first, you know, go around, right? Um, Memphis, Cruz, and Kuma. They all ran, and the sun was at our back. The ducks were bright in the sun. It was dry. We had good wind, and realistically, none of them had a problem with the marks. And then the blinds, the first blind was under the arc of the first bird and the second blind was behind the gun of the flyer so like your two blinds are super super tight super tight and uh and none of them had a problem we passed and i was elated um just super fired up the next day we showed up and it was pouring rain weird wind blowing right towards us just gray dull nothing was helping the dogs is that the day you had to run your two yeah yep 
around <clears throat> middle of the day about uh, probably two three o'clock. Um, and I'd been shooting fires all that morning with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was watching what most dogs were doing, and um, we got you know for me the two dogs I had uh, we ran cash first and. He, he picked up the go bird first, no problem. Had a big hunt on the short bird. And, I, and again, I had to handle the burn, but he was staying in there and digging it out. I was worried I was going to handle it and not be able to put him on it. Cause I didn't know exactly where it was landing. It was, was kind of hard to see where it landed. Yeah. Um, and, and he dug it out and I mean, pinned the flyer, did great on the blinds. And then Deuce uh, picked up the go bird. And she was rolling on the side on that short check down there. And I, the little bit of luck we had, that wind must have went right through her nose. And she slammed on the brakes and picked it up and then set it on fire. Ran good blinds. So we got, we got both of our still clean on that series. Congratulations. That's yeah, so awesome. Good. So I, I ran uh, Ember first. And Ember picked it up clean and ran good blinds. And then May May, who had been perfect, perfect, never missed a mark, beautiful blinds. And, like, I remember everybody who did good, but I cannot forget the one who did bad. She uh, picked up the go bird fine, came back, and was head swinging between the short bird and the long bird, or short bird and the flyer. Short bird flyer, short bird flyer. So I'm like, nah, you little girl, you're gonna you're gonna go for that flyer. So I pulled her towards the flyer. And I was gonna let her go get the flyer next. And then she kept looking at the short bird again. So I'm like, Well, I would prefer to pick up the short bird next. So I repositioned her, tried to line up for the short bird. She runs about halfway to the short bird, bangs a hard right, and goes and gets the flyer clean came back and really didn't remember the short bird and and really wasn't looking out good and was like fire coming out of her ears and for a 30 yard mark 40 yard mark this is not good you need her to be more thoughtful not ready to roll 150 yards so i gave her easy easy sit sit down you know and i probably got firm with her sit Easy, easy, May. And I sent her, and she went, ran 120 miles an hour right past the bird, and I blew my whistle, and she skidded to a stop beyond the bird. Not by much, but she was on the wrong side of the wind, and I had to tweet, 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 and have her come in and pick that bird up. That's all I had to do. That's it. 15 feet from the bird, 10 feet from the bird, I don't know, 5 feet from the bird, but wrong side of the wind, and she wanted to run. And So when I tweet, tweet, tweeted, she turned and ran. Tweet, 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 tweet. I mean, you were watching, and I knew you and Blaine were watching, supporting me right, right there behind me. If you had to guess, how long did the judges let me try and get her to pick that bird up a long time and she was i mean she was 15 to 10 yards 10 to 15 yards from that bird 
Not even. He and, just did not want to come forward. And so what was happening is the wind was blowing towards us. And like we said before, the two blinds were right there where the, you know, they weren't, there weren't birds where the blind was. Like the word would be the blinds weren't hot. They didn't have a bird there, but there had been 90 birds planted there before. So there's bird scent out there that is blowing towards her. And she wants to run. She's on level 12 out of 10 excitement and she wanted to run. And so she's winding these blind stations and I cannot get her to work in towards me. And all of a sudden she would. And then I'd, and, and like, you, you know, you're starting to make progress back towards me and then I'd stop her and make progress back towards me and stop her. And, and as soon as I'm about to get that bird, she'd turn and dig again. And they let me try forever. And she just, she couldn't do it. And they put their hand on my shoulder and, and Michelle Love was the judge who is a friend of mine and has judged me a lot throughout my career when I come south. And she had tears in her eyes because she knew May was perfect. She like she's looking at her sheet and knows that this dog had zero flaws all week long. And she was tearing up and she gave me a hug as May's like as I call her in, she just hugged me because she was heartbroken for the dog. It, it sucked and she just acted like a dog. She smelled bird somewhere else. She trusted her nose instead of trusting me and doing what I taught her. And, and there was there was terraces in that field too. I think that had a big big effect on the dog. They didn't want to come. They didn't want to drive back towards you over these little ditches. Yeah, yeah, like little drainage ditches for irrigation. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. But it, it just it was a hard pill to swallow. So let's uh, let's take a quick second and just cheers to to the two dogs. Give them a shout out. Give their owners a shout out who passed. Go ahead. Uh, Linda Linda Hoover owns Cash. Um, she's been with me for a long, long time, and she's she believes in us. So thank you to her. And then John Waldrop, he's out of Georgia, and I've had Deuce since she was five months old. And it's funny, man. He I've got the email the day he wanted me to train her. He said, "Hey, I want a master hunter. I don't want to pick her up till she's a master hunter. Uh, how long is it going to take? What do we need to do?" And, uh, so it's pretty cool to take a screenshot of that and send it, you know, look back at it and, and see how far we've come. And I think it was two and a half, three years to, to get that title for him. So that's pretty cool. Congratulations, man. I was proud as hell of you. It was, I mean, and that's my first two plates. Yeah. We obviously didn't, we didn't have, we didn't have a good run the first time. Uh, so it felt good to make that drive and come home with two plates and, even though I know, you know, some people say, well, it's four series and this and this and this, and you always have the haters. But, look, those were challenging tests. It made the margin for error less by having less series. Yep. Uh, and uh, I- I'm proud of how they did. They did well. They had Both of them had quick handles on one bird, and that's all they handled off. So I'm, I'm extremely happy, and let's, uh, let's toast to your, to your success now. Thanks, man. Well, I'm proud of I'm proud of you. I loved being there and watching you, and and it was a redemption year for you and your dogs, and and they did awesome. So I I'm really really pumped for you. Uh, shout out to Jack Plants and Ember. 
Old Ember uh, is the slow and steady wins the race. Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Um, she is now two for two at the Master National. And, you know, there are days that I train her and I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, dog. And then there are days where I'm like, yeah, that's my girl. And, and every freaking day that was test day, she showed up on her A game. And I couldn't have been more proud of her. And I've raised her since she was three months old. She's more my dog she, than Jack's. <laughs> He's going to call you and bust your chest about that. Dog. What's that, buddy? I said she's an extremely smart dog. Yes. And she's a gamer. I mean, On yeah. game day, she comes out and hammers. In training. Well, we told you after the second series. We're like, she's going to, we joke about like, she's going to pass. You could just tell. She knew what she was doing. She knew, she knew what she was there for. Yeah. Uh, and she didn't, she didn't mess around. Uh, I was so proud of her. Um, the cool. third plate, put her in the Hall of Fame. So that uh, that was her second plate, and so now I think we got to go to Washington to get her in the Hall of Fame. If, if her owner's listening, she she can't end on that. She's got to be the. Is there is there a Tessie in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. There's there's got to be, but there's not many. I think there are only seventeen Chesapeakes to pass the whole Master National. One time. No, I mean like, uh, like this, this year, year, I think. Yeah, this oh, year. This year. Okay, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> out of eleven hundred and fifty dogs, seventeen Chesapeake's passed. We're gonna try and live find this. Where where? I you can't. Gannon found it for yeah. me. I don't know. No, where I, I meant it. how many Chessies are in the Hall of Fame? Oh, I don't know. Look it up. Google, buddy. So uh, then Kuma, the Golden Retriever, who, um, man, I it's he his Instagram is Gun Dog Success. I'm going to give him a shout out because he trained her before me and her owner Gannon is a great dude, hunts his butt off and believed in me that I could get her master title. And you know, the, the other guy doesn't do AKC. He just does HRC. So he did all her HRC, got her HRC H and Gannon wanted a master title and contacted a dear friend of mine, Carol, um, who bred the dog and Carol owns Adirondack Goldens is a phenomenal breeder of golden retrievers. And she recommended me. And so I got her master title, you know, six, I think she went six for seven in master and qualified. And it was like, well, I guess we're going. And she looked beautiful other than the one blind. She was mint. And I was so proud to hand him that plate and and hug Carol when I got back here to New York because it was her first in 40 years of breeding golden retrievers. She's Kuma was the 50th master hunter and the first ever Adirondack Golden to earn a master national plate. That's pretty cool. So that felt really really good to to give to them. And then uh, old Memphis, she's two for two and looked really good except for that second series. That was a butt kicker. She had a little bobble in the second series, but nothing terrible. Just a little bobble. And again, it was a little bit of my mistake. I trusted her too much. Um, is she in the house now? She she done for the winter? Or is she? Oh yeah. I can't wait to go on a duck hunt with her. I haven't yet. Yeah. But she's gonna Max be duck hunting. Max is sitting here looking at me like, yeah, you're talking crap about me, family. But <laughs> you know, we we still love them. That's right. And then. Uh, Cruz. Cruz had her redemption year. 
she went out in the third series in Shiraw, and this year she stomped it. Looked really, really good. The only handle she had on marks was in the second series on that really tough water one. Um, so I'm proud, proud, proud. And then May May, to me, May May deserved to be there. She deserved everything. She was a phenomenal dog, and one bird got her. So it's a hard pill to swallow when you lose a dog, and a, especially one that was perfect. You know, if you lose a dog because they just, you know, a couple series and a couple series are mediocre, mediocre, and they just don't make it, you kind of saw it coming. I didn't see this coming. I, I thought she had it in the bag, and I, I felt terrible for my buddy Bruce and it was hard to make that phone call and I believed in her wholeheartedly but it's going to make me come back even harder and stronger for next year how about you yeah I'm look man I'm you know it's a long drive again um but what was eight more hours yeah but we can't break up the dream team no that's what I'm saying it's like this year. I thought I wasn't going to bring any deer meat, and it worked out well. Worked out well for me. Uh, backstory on that: I brought. Well, I think I killed deer what like a week before Master Nationals two years ago, and brought a whole deer out there for for us to eat on, and was gone after the first series, and said that that's bad luck. I'm not doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, me and no, Blaine ain't good. Yeah, and what? Yeah, whoever else is there, but no. I mean, I'm at this point for me. Um, as long as we can swing it from a kennel's perspective, um, it, we're, we're planning on going. We need to get some dogs qualified. I think we only have a few tests to run this fall, and then we'll finish up in the spring. But, uh, yeah, man, we're we're hungry for it still. And, you know, we're looking forward to going to Washington. And our friend Blake is from there. Uh, so I was talking to him two days ago. And the day Master National starts is the opening day of that season. Ooh, really? So, uh, so, yep. So when we finish, you know, y'all y'all took your time coming home. Uh, you you got to do a little hunting. I went to North Dakota and hunted. And uh, I think next year, if we uh, if we go that far, we're going to stay at least a week and uh, do some hunting with Blake, whether he knows or not. But we're, <laughs> we're doing Blake, it. if you're listening, buddy, uh, go ahead and book us for the next week. That sounds awesome, dude. Well. Everybody, I want to thank you all for tuning in to the Master Stational Recap 2021. We had our buddy Oliver Berman from Foundation Retrievers on the line. I'm, again, man, I don't know if it means Jack, but I'm so proud of you. I loved being a part of, you know, your, tra- you know, early training, and I got to know each one of the dogs we were running, and I just, I loved the camaraderie that me and you and Blaine had during the trip. It was a, a excellent time and we came home successful and I'm proud of you and I'm happy for you and I'm proud of your dogs and the owners and now it's duck season and let's get after it dude and, and I'm gonna put one plug in real quick uh we didn't mention it but if Blaine listens to this we've got a huge thank you to Angela his wife oh yeah um, good job we, we we forgot that the key to our success was we did not go to bed home the entire three weeks we were there. No. Uh, she, she took care of us. And I, and I think, and I'm being serious, I think having a good training group and a good crew you're staying with, uh, it really does. I mean, man, she, you know, it was awesome. We, we got done training. 
she helped us training, got done. She had food ready for us. Uh, it was a great group of guys. And uh, honestly, man, it's, it was fun. And, and I'm excited for Washington. I hope we all have success and can do a little duck hunting and do the same kind of recap a year from now. No doubt about it, man. Well, I appreciate you for joining us tonight on a, a last-minute Marco Polo um, it was really fun chatting with you. I miss you, buddy. And I can't wait to see you again this winter when I come down south. Sounds good, bud. All right, everybody. Remember, Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody remember that patreon.com <clears throat> forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Check out Oliver. Uh, it's at Foundation Retrievers on Instagram. Give him a follow. And, uh, again, Oliver, thank you for being a part of tonight's show. Glad to have him. Thanks, buddy. Later. Hey, do me a solid. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you do it before September of 2023, you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and Kevin and a bunch of other Patreon members down in Missouri. We're going to smack some ducks, have some fun, do a seminar with our dogs and have a great time. But jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.